Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Um, tonight, I'm concluding my series entitled, If You're Happy and You Know It. So go ahead and turn to um, Philippians chapter 4. We've been going through the book of Philippians. If you're happy and you know it. Um, every believer is happy, but some people just don't know it yet. Because the Bible says in Psalm 144, verse 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So who's here? Whose God is the Lord, all caps. The one true living God. So if that's your God, then you are happy. Most of you know it, but a shockingly large percentage of people whose God is the Lord doesn't know it. And um, it's, it's a little scary, actually. But if God... You know, if, the, if, if the Lord, all caps, is your God, then you are happy. And if Jesus is Lord, and he lives on the inside of you, if he's your Lord, then his joy is your joy. Amen? And Jesus, Jesus is not a, you know, a pucker-faced, cranky, bitter, why did they do this to me? Right? He, he's, not, he's not bitter, he's not offended, he's not depressed, he's not worried, he's not... Um, he, he's full of joy. He actually had more joy than any person that walked on the face of the earth up until his time. But now his joy is our joy. We can tap into that joy. And he's the one who gives us salvation. And I love what the Bible says about salvation. This is in Isaiah 12, verse 2 and 3. I love these verses in Isaiah. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord is my strength. And song. I love that, that God is our song. And some people sing kind of whiny songs. Even, even some of these Christians who should, are happy but don't know it yet, I can tell from the songs they're singing. I'm so confused, I thought. You know, just, um, man, if God is your song, his joy is your joy, that, that should put a little... Um, excitement in your song. If he, if he is your song, God, God is, a, is a musical God. Uh, the Bible actually says he sings, he surrounds us, surrounds us with songs of deliverance. I'm glad his songs aren't. I'm so confused. I'm going to surround you with these songs. That's not, that doesn't sound like a song of deliverance to me, a song of protection, a song of victory. That sounds a little, a little, um, off to me, but he is our strength, he is our song. I, I love, you know, faith, faith is, um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and faith is, is a spoken thing, right? Faith is something that you can act on, but faith is also something that you can sing. You know, faith, you, you have to believe it, you have to speak it, but I believe when you sing it, and only that, when you sing it corporately, Man, that, there is something powerful. That, that, to me, is like ultimate faith. Faith that's believed, faith that's spoken, faith that is sung, and faith that is sung as a congregation. I love, our, I love coming together as a congregation and worshiping. I like worshiping on my own, but there's something powerful when we come together as believers and sing these great songs of victory, songs of faith, songs that exalt Jesus. Amen. So he is our strength, he is our song, he has also become my salvation, therefore with joy. With what? You will draw water from the wells of salvation. 
Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So you, you might be experiencing kind of a dry climate on the surface, on the outside, but deep within you as a believer, there are wells of salvation. What's inside that, that well of salvation? Jesus said, I'm gonna give you living water. So that well of salvation, it doesn't run dry, it doesn't run out, it doesn't go stale, it doesn't go bad, it doesn't, you know, there aren't dead things that fall in there. And there is righteousness in that well, there is joy in it, there is healing in it, there is provision there. Everything that Jesus has for us is available in that living water. Everything that, that he wants to give us is part of that abundant life package. Right? But how do we draw it out? Do you draw it out with worry, with anxiety, with stress, with whining, with gossip, with... No, you, you draw it out with joy. And the devil, the devil knows what it takes to draw that out. So I think the number one thing he tries to do is, is snip the rope from your joy bucket. Maybe right, right when you're like realizing, yeah, this, this is for me. Healing is for me. Righteousness is for me. Peace is for me. You're getting that bucket. One of the first things he tries to do is, is take those cutters and, and um, get you stressed out, get you worried, get you um, just, just offended by something. Just, just I'm going to just snap that joy bucket. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. With joy, you will draw water from the... You're, Jesus' joy is your joy. If Jesus could operate in joy, you can operate in joy. Amen? So if you're happy and you know it, you can say amen, you can clap your hands, you can dance, you can sing, you can shout, you can... Um, joy should be visible at times. Amen? I think, I think joy is the, the ultimate expression of faith. It's the ultimate expression of faith. So we're going to talk about how to keep that joy bucket full, how to keep it working. So let's go to Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I love this. He's saying my, all these people he's writing to, they aren't perfect people. People don't have to be perfect for you to love them. If they do, you're, you're never going to love anybody. And, and even when he's writing to this church, we'll, we'll see in a few verses later, there, there are problems at this church. There, there's a little, these people aren't perfect in Philippi, but he's saying, you're still my beloved. I long for you. You are my joy. You are my crown. Stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Uh, verse 2, he says, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. So he, 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 he's been here to Philippi before. He's worked with Euodia. He's worked with Syntyche, these two, two women. Um, you know, Paul, Paul I believe, um, I, I believe that he, he believed in women in ministry. Here he's talking about two women who, who he says that they were co-laborers with him in the, the work of the ministry. So he, he, he knows them very well. He knows them so well that he knows there might be a disagreement between the two. I don't know what the disagreement, it might be a small disagreement, a big disagreement. Usually the devil likes to stir up things over small disagreements. So maybe they were having a disagreement over, you know, how to prepare bread for communion, if you should use, you know, 
white bread or wheat bread. Wheat bread's more healthy. That's what we need to use here in Philippi. I don't know what it was. But Paul's just saying, you just need to be in the same mind and look at the big picture. Whatever, whatever is the quarrel between you, the two, there, there's something bigger to look at here, right? He's saying, I'm urging you also, verse 3, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He's saying, all of y'all, all of your books are in the name, all of your names are in the book of life. All right, so, so just remember that all of your names are in the book of life. Look at the big picture, and he's, he's urging a true companion to maybe um, step in and help out in the situation. Now, Jesus actually talked about how to handle disagreements. You know, he talked about this, um, if there's a disagreement, you're just supposed to go to that person one-on-one. If there's still a disagreement, then you can bring someone in, um, and that's what Paul is doing at this point. He's saying, I'm, gonna, I'm calling this true companion in, into this situation to help resolve the issue. Um, so, so that's how you're supposed to resolve issues. That um, Paul is actually following the words of Jesus. He's, he's having a true ca- companion come in to step to help the situation out. Sometimes relationships need help. And it's okay if, if there's a relationship that you have that needs help. You can get help for relationships. It's a, a biblical thing to do. Um, he's saying get help here. I'm sending this true companion um, to step in and help. And... Um, um, there, there is joy from relationships. I think one, one way the devil tries to attack joy is through relationships. Relationships are a God-given thing. Relationships are, are, are actually attached to your destiny, attached to your purpose in Christ. The enemy, you gotta be careful, the enemy really likes to isolate people. God, God doesn't call people into isolation. God calls people into fellowship. He calls people into unity. He calls people into relationship. Why? Because you cannot accomplish what he's called you to do on your own. He, he, this, is, this is a good word. This is a really good word. The, the closer you get to God, the, the closer you're going to want to be to other believers. Why? Because we're all part of the same family. Amen. If you're close to the Father, you're going to want to be close to the brothers and sisters as well. Does that make sense? And I've just, I've just seen this looking back through my life, that, that, that relationships are so important. Relationships are attached to your God-given destiny. God wants, God wants to work through your relationships, whether it be family relationships, marital relationships, um, you know, relationships with, with, with mentors, with, with mentees, with with coworkers, God, with neighbors, God works through relationships. His hand is upon relationships, and, and there, there is a joy to relationships. But I think the enemy, he, he often tries to attack um, relationships because there, there's so much joy there, there's so much life there that God wants to, to, to bring about, to bring you into your destiny. So he's saying, look at the big picture. All of your names are in the book of life. I love this here in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord Every now and then, once a week, once a year, once a month. No, all rejoice in the Lord. That, that's why I know joy, this kind of joy that Paul is talking about is supernatural. To be able to do this, to be able to rejoice in the Lord always, no, no single person on the face of the earth can do that in their own strength. It's completely unnatural to rejoice all the time. 
no matter what. So I know this joy he's talking about, it is, it is not a circumstantial joy, it is a supernatural joy. And again, if your joy, if your happiness is attached to statements like, if, you know, if I marry the right person, then I'll be happy. Or if I buy this house, then I'll be happy. Or if I get this promotion, then I'll be happy. If, you know, the band plays the song I really like, then I'll actually sing and be happy. If the preacher preaches what I want him to preach, and not the same thing I've heard before, and I already know it all, then I'll be happy. That if statement, that, that's making your happiness, your joy, conditional. And if your joy, if your happiness is conditional, it is not supernatural, it is circumstantial. But this kind of joy that rejoices always, it is a supernatural, spirit-filled, anointed, God-given joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always keep the switch of joy turned on. That sounds like faith almost, right? Always keep the switch of faith turned on. Another switch that's right next to that faith switch is the joy switch. Always keep the switch of joy turned on. They run on the same flow. You're saying, well, I'm keeping my faith on. Keep my faith on. Keep my faith on. I'm going to go punch people. I'm you you, you got to cut in that circuit. Right? Your, your, your faith switch is, is kind of dependent upon the joy switch. They go hand in hand. That's a good word for somebody. Be anxious for nothing. Uh, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. I love that. Let your gentleness be known to all men. I love that. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Now, there's, a, there's a verse in um, Proverbs 31 about um, the virtuous woman. It says, um, the law of kindness is on her lips. The law of kindness you know, um, I, lo I love teachings on spiritual laws, like the laws of faith. I just gave you another law, the law of joy, right? But there is a law of kindness, and, and it should always be on our lips. And I think that kindness, that's a very similar word to gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when we pray, we should always sprinkle it with thanksgiving. I love that. Whenever we pray, it's kind of interesting. You can, you can see where people's theology is at, their true theology, by how they pray. I remember when I was in college, I tried to connect with other believers on campus. I think I was probably often the only spirit-filled, non-Calvinist believer, you know, amongst thousands of students. But I, I would try to connect with other, other students, and I'd go to Bible studies and uh, try to connect with people who, you know, believe in the Word of God. Um, but I, I would cringe at a lot of prayer meetings. Because so, some of this people's heart and what they're really believing and they're, they're, it comes out when they pray. So when you pray, start off with thank you. Just start off with thank you, end it with thank you, amen. And just look at, look at what God has, has given you. And even, uh, that's, that's a great, you know, and God, God is a relational God. I think when we talk to him, he likes us to start off with a thank you. That's, that's actually great relationship advice for other types of relationships as well. When you're communicating, when you're, when you're talking to people, maybe, maybe you're, you're asking your spouse for some, something, 
you know, sprinkling things with, with gentleness and thanksgiving, that, that goes a long, a long ways. Amen? Be thankful. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. I love that. I love that. You know, there, there are, um, when, when he says rejoice in the Lord always, and, and he kind of talks about how when you rejoice in the Lord always, you're going to be gentle, you're going to pray with thanksgiving, you're going to have this, this um, peace. There are side effects of joy. There are visible, there are tangible side effects of joy. And joy is God's medicine. For your body, joy is God's medicine for your heart. Joy is God's medicine for drawing out from the wells of salvation. And I love, I love joy because it is the best medicine. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. You know, I, um, I remember when I went to, to school for the first time, um, th- there were a lot of international students and... and um, I learned something about something that's different in America about other countries. Uh, America is one of the only nations that allows drug companies to um, advertise their, their pharmaceuticals on television. Most other countries, they don't allow that because they think that's where that patients should be kind of marketed and manipulated by drug companies. But here in America, I guess we don't have a problem with drug companies manipulating people. But, but, you know, the, the one thing that drug companies in America have to do when they, they do their advertisements for, you know, all these things that come on the radio or on, they have to list all the side effects, right? And they do it very quickly. It's like, you know, do you want to have the best life ever? Do you want to feel happy? Even though you, you know. There's a lot of side effects, including nausea, headaches, irritability, hallucinations, seizures, death. Like, like wait, uh, Death, uh, did I hear that right? And um, a, lot of, a lot of medication has some serious, and, and maybe some of you have avoided certain jibby jabs lately because of certain side effects that, that didn't have to be mentioned in the first time of American history. Um, but I'm going to prescribe joy to you all tonight. I believe that God is prescribing Joy, and you can, you can take as many doses of joy as you want. I read something about, about a guy in Germany. I guess they, uh, they, you know, like a lot of places, you had to have the, the COVID vaccine to, to go places. And this guy in Germany would, would um, take people's IDs and go get the jibby jab for them so they could get their vaccine passport. And, and um, he did this, like, how many times was it? It was like 45 times. I guess he's still kicking, so. uh. Anyways, I think there's better ways to make money. But, um, you know, joy, you can take as many doses as you want, and and the side effects are actually really great. The side effects are actually going to cause you to be gentle, a little less cranky and irritable and snappy and... Um, it's going to take away anxiety. How awesome is that? You know, what if you feel anxious? Pray with thanksgiving, ask God for help, and, and just 
step out in joy. And he gives you supernatural peace that actually guards your heart, guards your mind. And, and really whatever shot the enemy is trying to take at you, that shield of faith, that shield of joy, that shield of peace, it just surrounds you and, and God's peace is gonna block all those fiery darts. And it blocks it so much so that it just, it's just a complete shutout. You cannot stop my peace. You cannot stop my faith. You cannot stop my joy. Amen. So how, how, do we, how do we take this joy prescription? Well, first of all, you need to go to Dr. Jesus because he's the one who'll prescribe it to you. He's got plenty of it. He's not going to run out of it. He's not going to charge you for it. But also, you know, joy, joy it's in our spirit, but it, it, it needs to, to bubble up, right? This spring of living water, it needs to bubble up into your soul. It needs to bubble up into your heart, into your mind, into your emotions. So that's kind of what Paul talks about here in verse 8. What are you thinking on? You don't want to cap off that well of salvation. You don't want to cap off that joy in your soul, right? You want to spring all the way up from your spirit through your soul into your body, right? So don't cap it off in your soul. So how, how can we avoid capping that well off? What are you thinking on verse eight? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So he's saying sometimes it might be hard if there's anything that has virtue. There's a lot of darkness in the world. There's a lot of non-virtuous things in the world. But, but is there anything in your life that has virtue? Is, is there anything out there that God is doing that is virtuous, that is praiseworthy? Is there anything? Look for something that's praiseworthy. If you feel like, like your joy, if you feel like that well of, of salvation is kind of capped off, find something that is praiseworthy and start thinking about that. Start, start thanking God for that. I mean, as you do that, that kind, of, that kind of just breaks any blockage that you might have in your soul. And like I said, there's a lot of believers who are happy and don't know it. That's because they've capped it off. They're not thinking about the right things. They're not meditating on the right. And meditating, it means to constantly think about. It means to have like a habitual thought about something. You know, several years ago, I, um, I, I came across this study done at the Cleveland Clinic. And it, it's, it's about um, people's thinking habits. And, and I'm going to give this to you because this is, this is kind of fascinating to me. The average person thinks 60,000 thoughts per day. That's quite a bit. The average person thinks 60,000 thoughts per day. 95% of these thoughts are the same thoughts or habitual thoughts. They're kind of meditating thoughts. They're the same thoughts you think over and over, day to day. 95% of these thoughts are habitual. And of these habitual, repeated thoughts, 80% of them are negative. So the average person just walking around, just thinking, you know, in, in, their, in their soul, 80% of what is going on in their soul, meditating, just stuck on loop, is negative. And if that's you, maybe you've kind of been stuck on loop with some neg negativity. 
You know, maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know what, what you're constantly stuck on. Maybe something just stuck in your craw and you're just, you're not, you're not letting that joy of Jesus just dissolve that thing and just flush it out of you. It's just stuck there in your gizzard and you, you need to, to flush some of that stuff out. Amen. And you do that by, by just, by kind of active, you need to, you need to actively, actively meditate on certain things. You can choose joy. You can also choose what you think about. I believe you can do it. Right, I, and one thing I do a lot when I, I counsel people, I, I um, whenever people come in for, for like pastoral counseling with me, I, I always put the ball back in their court. All right, what, what are you going to do now? And one thing I like to do, um, I remember one time someone, someone came into me, and they, they, were just, they were a brand new Christian, just really struggling, just with depression, anxiety, just feeling beat up all the time, constantly. And, and um, I knew they were just kind of stuck. And if they, if they, if they didn't do something themselves to get out of that just constant Like, they'd just be stuck there a long time, and I believe that God wanted to jumpstart them out of that. So I just did something really simple. I said, what we're going to do, we're going to take, take one verse for you. One verse for you, and um, we're going to write it down on a card, and you're going to keep it in your pocket. Whenever you, whenever you feel overwhelmed, whenever you feel stressed, whenever you feel just like you're under attack from the enemy, you take this out, and you read it out loud. So there's this verse that says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So in this particular case, this, this um, woman who's just really struggling, just really feeling beat up by the devil all the time, completely overwhelmed, that was one thing she had to do. Just keep that in your pocket. And that, that I call it your anchor verse. You're just gonna, every time you feel overwhelmed, every time you feel like you're, you're going back to that negative just loop that you've been stuck on your entire life, you pull that out, and, and you are just anchoring to, to this word of God, and you, you, have, you have to speak it out loud. I don't care if, if who's around. I don't care if you're at the grocery store, if you're at work. You are going to speak that out loud. I don't care if someone thinks you're crazy. That, that's, that's a word I had um, at our Good Friday service when, when, like, we were just, man, that was such a powerful service, just and such a powerful anointing of God and anointing for healing ministry. And, and um, I know like, like we're flowing with words of knowledge and um, like tongues and interpretation. And, and God kind of told me, you know, some people might think this is weird, but look outside the church today. That is weird. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of being Weird. We can be peculiar. It's fine. Because outside of here, it's not looking that pretty. And it's getting uglier and uglier at a very fast and alarming rate. So this, this woman, I said, you know, this is your anchor verse. Keep this in your pocket. Read it every time. The second thing, she, she actually really never read her Bible before. So I said, you're going to read your Bible five minutes every day. The first thing you do when you wake up is you're going to just grab your phone 
and read a chapter of the Bible before you even get out of bed, before you look at anything else on your phone, before, before you do anything. Grab your phone and read one chapter of the Bible. I don't care if like there's a kid screaming down the hall, like you're gonna read that, that chapter. You're gonna take five minutes to read that chapter before you, you do anything else. And the third thing, you know, she, 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 didn't, she was a new believer. She didn't understand. She liked to listen to, to heavy metal music. And she struggled with depression and anxiety and felt like the devil is just beating me up. And, and it's even gotten worse since I asked Jesus into my heart. I don't know why I feel this demonic oppression worse since I've asked Jesus into my heart. Well, you have the light in you now. And now the light is conflicting with the darkness. You're sensitive to the light. You're sensitive to the darkness. So, so shut off the darkness. Just don't listen to that garbage anymore, period. If you do, do not ask to come back and see me again. And you know, after, after a week, she, she was a completely different person. She thought she, you know, she thought she was hopeless. She thought, man, this, this new light that's in me, this is great. Like, I, I feel more attack. I feel more... She was a completely different person within one week, just doing those three simple things. Sometimes, sometimes we like to overcomplicate things. You know, we, we want, we want the, the, the biggest, the deepest, the, you know, I, I, want, I want someone to teach me revelation from the original Greek, and we're going to, you know, do a 932-week series on some random thing. And um, sometimes you just need to keep it simple. And, and um, just God, God, speak to me simply. What, what is the, the next step? Usually God, God tells you very something very, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is a great teacher. Jesus is a great teacher. He's the, the high, the great rabbi, the great teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. You know, great teachers keep things very, very simple. I remember when I went to, to college for, for classical music, for flute playing, I studied with one of the top flute instructors in the entire world, and I thought, like, man, I'm 18, I'm gonna, like, be, I'm gonna be, like, learning how to play the flute, you know, with my ears and, and like, just do all this crazy stuff, and my teacher told me, you know what, the, this first year, all we're gonna do is, is focus on your sound. And I remember one lesson I came into, and I, I um, was working on this, this, this song, I was really excited. It's like a 30-minute long piece. I've been working, you know, working on it for, for a couple of weeks. And um, the, the first, like, half of my lesson, 30 minutes, we just worked on the first note. Just that, the, the, only the first note, just kind of chiseling out the sound for that. And, um, and um, just recently, I was talking to another uh, flute player about, about this teacher, um, I'm buying, I, I, I'm buying a flute from someone in, in New York, and he, he's a flute player and plays sax, and I was telling him about my teacher. And um, I'm buying a 125-year-old flute. It's like a very rare, very um, collectible type flute. And, and my teacher actually had one of these flutes. They're kind of like the Stradivarius of flutes. And I'm, um, I was talking to this guy who has it uh, about my teacher, and, and I was talking about this story, and, and then he wanted to hear hear her sound. So I, I looked up the same piece that I played with her. You know, I remember that, that, that entire lesson where we just focused on that one note for 30 minutes. And I just heard her, I pulled up her recording of that piece and I haven't listened to it for like a dozen years. And I just heard that first note and I'm like, that's, 
She, know, she knew what she was talking about. At the time, I thought, this is, this is boring, this is silly, this is, give me something better to do. Usually the way the Holy Spirit talks to you, it's very simple. And sometimes people miss it because it's so simple. Sometimes people, people turn away from a really good preacher because it's so simple. But sometimes some of the most simple things are the most profound and the most impactful things that need to be communicated, that need to be ministered. Amen? If there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I love that. And, and um, you know, one thing, one thing that God's taught me, if you just feel stuck, maybe stuck with um, anxiety, stuck with negativity, stuck with pessimism, um, Pray in tongues. Praying tongues can just bypass those 50,000 negative thoughts you're having as an average person. You know, the, the believer is not created to be average, though. We're not created to be average. There should be a difference between us and non-believers, and we have some amazing supernatural tools at our disposal, and praying in tongues is one of those things. You know, when you pray in tongues, it actually... Um, breaks that cycle of destructive thoughts. It breaks that cycle. And um, I, love, I love what the Bible says in Jude 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I remember um, when, I, when I was um, a freshman um, in college, I won this major competition um, to, and, and, and part of the, the prize was I got to play a solo with the entire orchestra. I was the only person that got to do so. And, and the next year when I was a, a sophomore, I had to play this um, big solo with the orchestra. And um, right before the concert, I, I was like really nervous. My mouth was drying out. My hands were getting sweaty. My, my right knee started shaking. And like my right knee hadn't shook since I was like fifth grade. So I was like going way back to like a bad habitual thing. And... Um, I didn't really know what to do, so I just started praying in tongues right before this concert. And I was just praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and, and this, this supernatural joy just came on me. Right, but, and I, I, was, I was in this back room getting ready, and um, it, it was so strong on me, I just started jumping up and down like a crazy person. Thankfully, I was alone, but I was just so excited. I just started jumping up and down, and you know, just five minutes before, I, th- I thought I was going to have a, a panic attack and fall out and need like a, a brown paper sack to start breathing. And how am I going to play this song? I have to like be able to breathe to play the flute here. And my tongue is like sticking to my mouth from dry mouth. And, and like it's weird if your right knee is shaking the whole time. <laughs> but, but in just five minutes, just God turned that thing completely around. And it is a supernatural thing. It was so cool. And I just went out and played one of the best um, performances of my life. So, so we, we aren't normal. Amen? We have, we have the Holy Ghost. We have supernatural joy um, at our disposal. Let's go on here in verse, well, verse 9. Let's just finish this little section up. It says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I love that. It's important that we learn and receive and hear and see what other great believers do. I remember um, my dad told me he, he, was, he was driving Mark and Trina Hankins from Colorado Springs Airport up to um, Trina's parents' house in Buena Vista, like a two-hour drive. And the whole time, um, Trina was just quoting scriptures about 
about God's will for us to prosper. And at the time, my dad had just lost like a quarter million dollars in a blizzard in the cattle industry. And just as she was just quoting these things, just meditating on these things, actively speaking them, even though they had this guest driving them, it just ministered to my dad, and it just got him fired up. So it's important to learn from other believers who are operating in these things. So, so he's saying, hey, you, you saw me do it, you heard me, you, you've seen me live this rejoicing always. So do it, amen? All right, verse 10. And um, this is kind of the the last section here. Uh, And we're going to talk a little bit about giving. There is a joy attached to giving. Amen. And I think the devil sometimes tries to steal the joy from giving. You know, I I had a word on Sunday that that, um, when you give in the natural, you want to think, well, that's it. It's gone, you know, minus whatever I gave. But God's saying, you know, when you give, it's going to come back to you and come back to you more. So God's saying when you give, it's not the end. It's actually the beginning of something greater. And I just shared that. And, and um, there's a lady here at the church who, who's a huge giver, but she just got, she told Heather, I was so excited about that word because it really ministered to me. Because I give a lot, but I, I've been kind of thinking that way, like, well, that's it. It's gone. What's the, you know? And she just said that, that just kind of reignited that joy of giving. And... Um, and there, there is a supernatural joy attached to giving, and God wants you to have that joy. That's why he said God loves a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver. There, there is a supernatural joy attached to giving. I think that's why Paul um, talks a lot about giving here in this great letter on joy. So verse 10, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. So he's saying, when, when you gave to me, when you cared for me, that caused me to rejoice. So that giving creates supernatural joy on two spectrums, right? It creates it on, on both ends. That's, that's the neat thing about joy. It, giving, spiritual giving doesn't deduct from you and, and give here, right? Some people think, well, if I give here, it's minus, minus here and plus here. No, um, spiritual giving, the, the kind of giving that God calls us to, to partake in, it, it, it's like a, it, it's an abundance giving, not a scarcity giving. So when you give, it doesn't cause scarcity on one side. It causes more, you know, more increase, more abundance. It's like, it's like if you have a candle lit right here, right? And you take another candle over here that's not lit. When you take this candle that's lit and you, and you touch it here, and you give to this candle, does this candle lose anything? No, it doesn't. That, 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 that is spiritual giving. It's like having that candle, because God is our source, right? And when we give with that understanding, with give with that, that type of heart, when you give, it, it causes increase here, but it doesn't take away from here. Does that make sense? So I rejoice greatly in the Lord that now at last your care for me has flourished again, verse 10, that you surely did care, but you lacked, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, but I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that... Um, there, there's, there's some beautiful things that Paul is saying here. He's saying that, that no matter what's happening on the surface, I, I can be happy, I can be full of joy, I can be content. 
And, and I've kind of learned this too. Um, um, I remember when I was a junior in, in college, I, I lived in a tiny little bedroom in a dilapidated house. My bedroom was um, 50 square feet. I had a bed in it that was lofted up. I had a little desk and a little dresser below it, and that, that was my bedroom. And it was $300 a month, and that's what I could afford. And, uh, but I was happy there. And God spoke to me something, and he said, hey, Aaron, as, as long as you're alive, it's going to get better and better wherever you live. But I was, I was happy there. Um, I eventually went, went to school in Houston, and I got a 500-square-foot apartment, which at the time to me, it felt like a palace. And, and I was happy there. And since then, I, I live in, in a 5,000-square-foot house, and, and I'm happy there too. But I, I, your happiness isn't dependent upon things. And you need to be learn, learn how to be happy and content wherever you're at. Some people aren't happy wherever they're at. That's, that's why you just see, that's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, really, um, there have been, been studies on happiness in people's um, finances. And um, the, this study I, I, I've come across um, states that for, for a household, this is a few years ago, so it, but at the time, um, if someone makes $70,000 a year, it doesn't matter what they make beyond that. If they make 100,000 a year, 200,000 a year, 500,000 a year, a million dollars, the, the level of happiness, it, it just, it, it's not dependent upon finances. So, so sometimes you're wondering, why, why do people want, you know, just, so you see rulers in the world just fighting for more power, fighting for more control, fighting for more whatever, it's not going to make them any happier. They think it's going to make them happier, but it's not. The devil likes to stir up discontentment. He likes to stir up greed, stir up just weird stuff. But just, just learn, to be, learn to be happy. And, and Paul said this to Timothy. I believe it's um, 1 Timothy 6, 6. He said, now godliness with contentment is great gain. And I love the next thing he said. He's, we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can take nothing out. You know, Fisher... Um, this is like a year ago. He's asking me about, about where babies come from and, and um, you know, what they're born with. And I said, well, I was born with a flute in my hands. I was just ready to go. It was God's gift to the flute is from the day I was born. And he, even at his young age, he's like, I don't think you can be born with the flute, Dad. <laughs> so he knew that there's, you know, you can't come into this world with anything. And you can't, you can't leave with anything either. Some people have tried, but you can't leave with anything. So just be content, amen, and realize we're going to a better place where you don't want to bring stuff from here because there's better stuff when you get there. You don't need to bring your old baggage, your old flute, your old clothes, your old whatever. You're going to have better stuff where you're going because Jesus is there. All right, let's go on here. Um, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So keep the focus on Jesus. We can do all things through him who strengthens us. Verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessity. So they, they were giving... Um, 
They weren't just giving once, but they were kind of partnering with him. They were, they were giving um, continually with him. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That's, that's, um, that's a really powerful verse. You know, my dad taught me and my brothers to, to be givers at a young age. You know, from the moment we earned our first dollar, he taught all of us to, to, to tithe, what a tithe was, and just do that. And all of us have always been tithers, have been givers, have been involved in local churches. And my dad wasn't doing that because he really wanted our, you know, nickels and dimes at the time. He was doing it because he knew that, that there would be some abounding to our accounts. And he was right. Because he, he instilled in us that value for giving, for giving, continually for giving, habitually, for, for being spirit-led, for, for learning that joy, that supernatural joy that comes from giving. He knew that, that, that there would be some things stored up for us in this, in this account. And, and it, it's true. Um, verse 18, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I love that. That is a promise to givers. That is a promise for people who know the joy of giving. God, you are not gonna run out. Whatever, you, whatever God has called you to do, you are not going to run out. God is always going to supply whatever it is. If it's a financial thing, a, a, a physical thing, a relational thing, God is not going to leave you hanging. Verse 20, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. I love that he calls everyone here a saint. If you have Jesus in your heart, you are a saint. You should not confess that you are a sinner. Paul would call you a saint. I think it's safe for me to call you all saints, amen. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a saint. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. So if you're happy and you know it, who's here happy? And they know it, amen. You can show it, you can shout, you can rejoice, you can, amen. I I love supernatural joy because it's a contagious thing. And it's great to be around people who, who have that joy anointing in their life. I like to be around People who, who rejoice in the Lord always because it, it always it, it, um, comes on you as well. Amen. So my beautiful wife, Heather, is going to come up here. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.